0: Welcome to the Hunted and Gathered podcast. We're hunting and gathering home design, decor, and renovation ideas from designers, bloggers, and do-it-yourselfers from across Canada and beyond. Discover your inner designer and be inspired to make your own living space feel more like home.
1: Carl Lones is one of Canada's most well-known interior designers. A celebrity in his own right, Carl has appeared on radio and television across North America, sharing his expertise on decorating and entertaining. He's written for countless magazines and newspapers and was a founding editor for Style at Home magazine. For eight years, Carl appeared on HGTV America's This Small Space. He was a regular contributor to The Marilyn Dennis Show and can now be seen on CTV morning shows across the country. On top of all this, Carl blogs about cooking, entertaining, art, and design at the Carl Loans Daily. As a fan for many years, it's so exciting for me to introduce my guest today, Carl Loans. Hi, Carl. Thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Well, what a happy day it is. We get to talk about decorating.
1: Yay. This is so great. So, let's talk about you. How did you get started in this field?
0: Well, I always thought that I wanted to work in advertising. Oh. Which is really the flip side of everything I do now because we need advertising to support content, you know, whether it be right. a decorating TV show or a magazine. So, I studied marketing and advertising, and I worked for uh, the phone company, I worked for one of the big banks, and really part-time, I was working for um, a couple of friends of mine, and they owned a store, a well-known decorator store in Toronto, and in Canada, and I, um, I worked there on Saturdays. I was making no money at the bank, or making no money at the, uh, at the phone company, whenever, wherever I was working when I was mm-hmm. young, so I always had a part-time job. But I always thought that the part time job should be something that really interested me. Mm -hmm. And that's different. Some people take a part time job because they just need to make $100 more a week. Whereas I thought, no, if I'm going to give up my Saturday, I want to learn something or I want to do something that's a little more uh, along my interest level. So I worked in a home decor store and I just found that I loved helping people make choices for, Mm -hmm. you know, and I would ask them questions and I would um, help magazine editors who would come in to borrow products and eventually um, I lost my job at one of where I was Mm -hmm. and I went full-time at the store between jobs but going full-time means I actually immersed myself into it more Mm -hmm. and I started meeting magazine editors, I started styling and pulling props and products for um, Cityline, the show shot out of Toronto. and they would come to me and say, oh, we need platters for our food and we need, you know, pretty rugs and things. And I would just pull things from the store. And eventually I just met people in the industry. And then one day a woman came in and said, you've been so helpful for the past two or three months with me. Um, I'm starting a magazine and I would like you to work for me. Is that something you'd be interested in? Wow. And it was like, yeah, I'll give all this up and go work at a magazine. You know, magazines to me were a, a glamorous world back 25 years ago.
1: hmm That's such a great story, and I think everyone's dream. If you're into interior design and you you want to be an interior designer one day, this is like a dream story. It's like someone just come in and say, "I love your style. Do you want to come work for me?" Yeah,
0: that's amazing about it. You know Mm -hmm. what you're doing, and I said, "Well, I'm not a trained interior designer. I would hate for you to think that I'm an expert in what I'm doing. That I could put it in a magazine form." And she said. I think you know people's needs, and that's what magazines deliver. That's what home decor shows deliver. If you're not giving a viewer or a reader what they might need in their life uh, to help decorate or make a better home, well, then you're not successful at all. So I started, uh, I went and started um, uh, working at a magazine called Canadian Select Homes, which was around uh, uh, for quite a long time, and then the publisher changed the name, and we started Style at Home magazine. That's and that was amazing. a very long time ago.
1: <laughs> but such an influential magazine and I mean still going today and oh, and really you know one of the pioneers in in the field so that's so exciting that you were a part of it and
0: well and yeah. for me I was probably one of the first men that ever worked for any decorating magazine like anywhere.
1: Right and yeah. it was
0: kind of strange because I'm tall and I'm rather authoritative looking, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I've got these these German looks of six foot two and 220 (laughs) pounds and, you know, I would go on press trips and go looking at pretty doilies and little things that (laughs) we needed to feature in the magazine and people would be looking at me and I'd be like, hey, it's my job, you know, I'm I'm (laughs) loving it here. So I think that authoritative manner then gave the impression that I was even more of an expert than I really was. Um, but certainly right. through going, uh, starting this job and starting other things within the industry, then um, I did go back to school at night. Uh, the nice thing about back then is that employers were sending people back to school and paying for it, which was mm, fantastic.
1: That's really great. So yeah. it
0: was such a great opportunity for me. And But I don't think that it was an opportunity that, that shouldn't have been for me because I think I was destined to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the difference. Somebody might love food, and they, yeah, might they, drop, they might drop into that industry or into that world simply because of their passion as well. Maybe they're helping out in a bakery on Saturday mornings and icing cupcakes and decorating them, and then all of a sudden somebody sees their talent. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of ways that people can get discovered for their talent. And these days, if you're handy and, and decorative mm-hmm. and talented, even just the world of Etsy, you know, maybe oh, you make sure. something really nice. Maybe you do beautiful watercolors that are on trend with decorating trends. Who knows, right? But you put it up there, you don't know who's ever going to see it. And that's a wonderful thing and a nice chance to take.
1: You're exactly right. And I think it's so neat that you, you pointed out um, that, you know, if you have that passion, you can just follow that passion. And, you know, it, it might lead you somewhere. It might not lead you somewhere, but it might lead you somewhere. And it's it's better to do something you're passionate about than, you know, just kind of go through life, um doing what you like, but not what you're, you're really passionate about. So thanks for sharing well, that. I know, love I, that story. I,
0: um, I, had an, I had an uncle who had five children, a wife, um, and worked at the car plant and he did his job. I don't know that he was extremely passionate about being on an assembly line, but you know what? His passion was Ticking off the clock, leaving work and going home to his family, taking them camping on the weekends and Mm -hmm. driving his wife to do grocery shopping. He just loved a large family. Mm -hmm. So he worked for a different reason.
1: Right. And you can find your passion in anything. And it's great Absolutely. to hear His that he passion was passionate. passion
0: was just, I'm just going to work and I'm, and I'm kind of spending my time there and then I get excited when I leave. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, to be honest with you, my career is way more exciting even in my personal <gasps> life. You know, when I, when, I go, when I travel for work, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. actually going to meet really cool people or to, or to, to see interesting things. And then when I take a personal vacation, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just sitting here. I guess I should get a margarita, you know? So it's kind of, um, I have a passion for what I do. And I think if anybody has a passion for something, um, that they should really explore it. You'll, you'll never, um, I, I said to my niece who got into art, mm. I said to her, if you love what you do, the paycheck will follow. Oh, and about two years after she finished school, she said to me one day, out of the blue, remember you told me about if you love what you do, the, the paycheck will follow? And I said, yeah. And she said, every Friday, I get a, I get a check put on my desk at the, at the animation studio I'm working at. And I feel guilty taking it because I've had so much fun all week that the money is the bonus to me. And I said, well, the money pays the rent. That's all it That's does. Right. So we don't own That's money, right. but we yeah. have to own our experiences.
1: Oh, these nuggets of wisdom from you, Carl. That's awesome. Thank you. That's great. Um, so how would you describe your decorating style?
0: Well, I, am, um, I, I would say that my roots are traditional styles. I tend to gravitate towards them. Most people gravitate towards traditional style because they know it's safe, because they've seen it before. Somebody else has it, and they gravitate towards it. But there's new and old traditions. Right, so there's always a traditional side of design, and there's always a modern. And I tend to veer towards traditional for myself. Most people who come to my house say something like, "My uncle owned a curiosity shop in Paris, and your apart- your, your your townhouse feels like everything's so different, but it's so interesting." And I believe that you shouldn't own anything unless it has a story, mm-hmm. even a pair of jeans. There's a reason why you bought them. There's a story. Maybe they were on sale. Maybe they're a good deal. Maybe they uh, flared at the bottom and you thought that was cool. Or maybe there's a stitch on it that you think is neat. So really, everything I buy, I have to love. Um, And there has to be a story to it. Otherwise, I don't own it. Uh, So I'm a little more traditional. But some of I think some of the nicest work that I've done has been more modern. Because it's a nice change for me and I can get excited about something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, when you're when you're put up to challenges creatively, then very often you do your best work.
1: I like that everything you have has a story.
0: Yeah, it, it has to have a story to it. Um I have this light fixture that I bought at a lighting store. It's it's available if anybody wants to buy it, but it hangs in my dining room and everyone who comes into my house says, That looks like an old a light fixture from like a Chicago bank building or something.
1: Wow. And is that why you chose it? Because it had that, it had a sense of history to it? Yeah,
0: it had a story to it even before I bought it. And I thought, wow, I can, you know, I can live with this. Mm -hmm. And everyone who comes in, you know, is so surprised that I'm like, well, you can actually, if you want it, you can actually order it and buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you would never know that. So, you know, I tend to, I also tend to shop a lot, um, sounds kind of funny, but in sales sections for myself. And the reason for that is usually the stuff that most people don't want is the stuff I will like (laughs) because it's a little less generic maybe. Right, yeah. Maybe it's an off color. Maybe there's, um, you know, an issue with it. But for me, it's like I find the most unique things, and usually they're on sale because it's the stuff that nobody else wants.
1: It's a little Um, more personality to those items.
0: That's right. Um, And that's, to me, uh, more important than, you know, if you're going to buy a tea towel, why not make it a beautiful tea towel? Why not make it interesting? Why not have a saying on it or a picture on it or something that makes you smile or whatever it might be, right?
1: Exactly. Oh, for sure. I've seen pictures of your um, of your townhouse. And I'm going to put uh, links to your your most recent renovation of your dining room and the light that you're talking about actually up oh, yeah, on, yeah. Up on exactly. our site. Yes, it is a beautiful light. And it's funny that you said that because when I saw it for the first time, I thought, oh, what a gorgeous light. And I thought, oh, he probably got it exactly. It's some some antique store, you know, traveling or something like that. And then to hear it's just, you know, something that you can go out and buy or buy online. Um, I think that almost makes it more special, too, because you've put it in a Uh, you've shown us how you can put it in a room and really just change the feel of it. I'm sure if it was hanging in a really modern place, it would take on a completely different feel.
0: Absolutely. And I, -hmm. I, uh, to be honest with you, most of the older furniture that I buy, like my dining table, um, actually my dining chairs, my sofa, almost actually all my vintage or older stuff, I tend to find just online. Like I find it through the Craigslist or the Kijiji ads. And, you know, surfing through is almost like a little sport. And you think, oh, look at that cool little... Art Deco uh, bar unit. Wouldn't that be great? But I try to think that would be really great upstairs on the wall just outside the bathroom to hold like a little laptop desk. It doesn't have to be used what it's there for, right? Or how people are advertising it. And I think that's another thing, you know, an Ottoman can sit at the end of your bed or it can sit in, in your front foyer rather than sitting just in front of the sofa. But if you find something you really love, try to think of a good use for it and maybe an alternative use as well.
1: That's such a great tip. Another good tip from you. Um, and I like that you, um, you know, talk about buying things on Craigslist and Kijiji. And that really is a great way to save money when you're decorating.
0: Well, and you're buying local. You're saving the landfill, like all the good parts of it. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't drive a car. I don't own a car because I live in the middle of the city. Uh, so I always say to people, hey, love the mirror you have for sale um i certainly will pay your asking price if there's a way that you could deliver it to me they're like you know what can you wait till next tuesday i'm coming downtown yeah i'm I'm not in a rush for your mirror i just want to i really love it i'll tell you i'll I'll pay you cash for it i'll buy it i'll i'll pay your asking price i'm not going to bicker with people about Mm -hmm. the price if i love it i love it right but i need you to get it to me somehow And usually, then you actually get to meet the person Mm -hmm. and give them the money, and they feel good like somebody didn't transfer it off. And, you know, let me wire you money. And, you know, you don't do that sort of thing online. Um, So it's like if by chance you're downtown, and most people are like, oh, you know, my husband's going to be downtown uh, tomorrow morning. Can he drop it off? It's like, sure, okay, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for me, it's also a nice opportunity, although a few times I've been discovered by people who recognize me. Oh. When they drop it off, they're like, aren't you the decorator guy? And I'm like, and they're like oh, I should I should have asked twice as much money oh, for no. Oh, no! Oh I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, honestly, um, you know, I, I don't even know why I bought it. I don't need a mirror. You know, I just bought it because I love it. <laughs> it's pretty
1: oh. funny. That's really great. Yes. Yeah. Um, so a lot of your projects do feature these um budget-conscious designs. Um, so do you have any more besides the Kijiji and the Craigslist? Do you have any other money-saving design tips?
0: Well, I think that, you know, money-saving... First of all, any client that you work with as a decorator, they want to know that they're getting the best value. Even if you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in decorating their home, they want to know why you're spending that money. You, you, mm-hmm. you do have to justify the cost of things. And very often, expensive things are justifiable. Uh, but for me... Um, I like to put challenges towards myself, even just in my own home, to make sure that I'm saving money here and there. So, for instance, in that dining room uh, story that, that you'll post, the cabinetry was simply um, Home Depot upper cabinets from you know you, that you order from Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And yet, just by paying a little bit of extra money to the installer, it looks like a built-in cabinet.
1: It really does.
0: Well, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll tell every. I mean, I don't think I've said it, but that entire wall of cabinetry with the electrician coming in and moving the electrical and having it built in and having the mirrored backsplash and putting the, the marble around it and buying all the hardware. I mean, it's an expensive venture for anybody, mm-hmm. um, but that probably cost me six or $7,000. But a wall of custom that would have been twenty-one or $22,000.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So,
0: you know, there's ways of getting around and doing it. I think um, for young families, I think that, indoor outdoor rugs are a fantastic option for the family room or the recreation room or in the kids room because they're washable or you can take them outside and you know hose them, them off down and wash yeah. them and you know and that, and you know after a long winter of kids playing in front of a TV mm-hmm. how nice to know that you don't have to throw away your rugs yes so there and there's beautiful options now that look like silk and look like mm-hmm. wool and everything that aren't so really looking at things for different uses i think that's one of the more important things um, I took my old dining table, for instance, and I had a piece of silestone, which is a man-made stone. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a piece of stone cut for the top of it because it was a very beautiful mahogany table, but it felt too precious for me, and I couldn't use it daily to wrap Christmas gifts, and I couldn't use it to do my baking on it. I couldn't, you know, and it, I don't trust my friends <laughs> <laughs> that they're not going to scratch it and chip it when they're over for dinner. So I put this beautiful stone top on it. Uh, which protects it and also makes it a lot more durable. And it also made a very formal table maybe appear a little more casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 80s, we used to put a piece of glass on our precious tables and right. to protect it. Now we're putting stone or something a little to, to make it feel more useful. Um, so really looking at what you have, maybe you've got a beautiful chair in the corner of your living room, but it's looking dated. Um, if the size works and the style works, Nowadays, you can have an upholsterer make like a fitted slip cover, so it almost looks like it's been reupholstered. It doesn't look big and sloppy. And that investment would be a lot less than buying a new chair, but yet you get to keep what you love and you get to update it, which is kind of fun as well.
1: Absolutely. That's great. You have such great ideas. So speaking of money, if money was no object, what's one thing you would buy for your house?
0: Um, you know what? I live in a in a Victorian townhouse Mm -hmm. and you know you buy your house because believe it or not because of the architectural style I mean when you buy it you get it some people have an arts and crafts style home some have Tudor some have Victorian some just have modern and that's good too Mm -hmm. but my house is Victorian and I wish that I had when I renovated it I wish that I hadn't been influenced by the times back 10 or 15 years ago and I wish that I would have put in a beautiful chevron wood floor
1: oh that would be gorgeous and I know that chevron
0: wood floors are a bit trendy right now but to be quite honest I looked and looked and looked for them back 10-15 years ago and couldn't find them so I wish that I would have had all the money in the world to import old chevron flooring from France and put it in my townhouse and it would have made life so much more beautiful for me
1: yes every Um, time to walk in and see that that would have been amazing
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so for me it's like boy that's the only regret I think I have in decorating although my Very smooth walnut floors are lovely. Um, If I had, I live in a townhouse, so if I had a a separate house that wasn't attached, um, I would love to build almost like a glass atrium over the front of it.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So that, uh, first of all, city noise would Mm -hmm. be blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, you have full control over the little bit of space around the front of your house between the house and the glass. It's almost like putting a greenhouse on the front of your yes. house. And I've seen it done a few times in England, mm. and it gives a really modern edge feel to a really old home. Wow. Um, and my house is so old that, you know, preservation is a big part of it. So mm-hmm. it's almost like I was like I would encapsulate in glass to give it a modern feel and quiet it down. And certainly it would be a lot warmer in the summer and mm-hmm. the winter because the old terracotta brick actually leaks a lot of uh, cold into the house during the winter and stuff. Right. But I love my house, so the, that, that would be if I had all the it's, first of all, if municipal guidelines would let me do it, but also all the money in the world as well. Uh,
1: but it's nice to dream, and it's I, I love that you have a plan, even you know, for something like that. And I would love well, to see what? that. Like that would maybe be great. that
0: idea I do for somebody else in a bit of a smaller, different way.
1: That's you the, know, the like best thing I'd about say, your hey, job. You
0: know, the, the the old stone the old stone on the back of your house is beautiful don't don't take it away let's just build a greenhouse you know attach a greenhouse to it so that it's preserved forever i don't know but my little idea i always have this romance idea about uh about a greenhouse off my old house
1: oh that's wonderful and with your job you can maybe one day make it a dream maybe it's not a dream for you but a, a dream for a client That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what about a favorite space that you've been designed, that you've designed or you've been involved in creating? Do you, I'm I'm sure you have lots and lots, but is there one that stands out for you?
0: Well, the best and most challenging one that I had wasn't really a real uh, space to be used forever. Um, I built uh, about three or four years ago, we had a food show in Toronto and Martha Stewart came and I know her and her team in New York, and they were coming up, and she was bringing her whole onslaught of people with her for two or three days, and she was speaking at the food show. So I put up my hand to the organizer and said, can I design a green room for Martha and her team to hang out in? And yet, nobody had ever thought about doing a green room before, and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess we need a space for her and her team to hang out and put their coats and boots and have meetings and all that stuff. And when Martha travels to do, like when you see her on her blog going to a book signing or something like that, whenever she's in another city, literally she puts 15 things on the list to do while she's there. So they do need a, a hub or a place. Mm-hmm. So at this food show, I mean, she was meeting with the president of Home Depot Canada because she has products there. She needs a place to meet. So I actually did research and I built a space within the big food show for her, a private space, and it was a very large room that emulated the look of her offices in New York, which I had visited once. So I, I actually have a picture of a wall in in her loft building that, on, on 26th Street in New York, and I blew it up and made a mural of it. So when they walked in, one entire wall looked like the windows from their loft building. And I took the That's color incredible. of her of her walls in her office and I painted those walls. I found out what color it was. And you can find a lot out online and do a Mm -hmm. lot of research. But I sort of emulated the feeling and look of her office and that's where they held all their meetings, where they had their lunch, where they were catered to, uh, where they could come back and rest between her signings of books and Mm -hmm. speaking on stages and stuff. And um, that was probably the funnest thing I could do because I was recreating something that was a fantasy or magical. Mm -hmm. And it really surprised them. Like the people that work for her who I know were like, how did you know that we have this color on our walls in our office? I'm like, because I visited once. And if you punch it in online, on Google, you can find out. (laughs) Somewhere, (laughs) Martha mentioned on a blog site somewhere what color she painted her offices, right? Uh, So that was a lot of fun to do. I would say, though, that the most... The nicest space that I ever designed was the top floor guest room in my own house because it was the first room I needed to get done so I could sleep in it and live in it while the rest of the house was being renovated. Mm-hmm. And I did it as a getaway room. I did it as it's an all white. It feels very much like a seaside room. Oh, so um, beautiful. It had very tall wainscoting for texture and it had old scraped pine-looking white floors, and it had a utility sink in the bathroom. and It's very charming, mm-hmm. but it's also a nice getaway. And I believe that our houses do need different styles in order for us to live in a more sane manner. <laughs> so, you know, if you have rich, gorgeous golden topes and burgundies and dark greens and navy blues throughout your whole house, somewhere, and usually it's the master bedroom of sorts for most people, you switch it up go very light and airy or very ethereal or very soft colors. We all I, I call it my sick day room. When I'm sick <laughs> at home and I just need to get away from my house but can't go out, I go to the room that's different. And it's lighter. This one's lighter and brighter and it's on the top floor and it faces south. And it, it is kind of like my Nova Scotia room. Like it, it feels like I've gone away somewhere. So most guests love it because they would never expect that room to be in my house, which is often very eclectic and very uh, antique feeling.
1: I love that. You kind of have like a little getaway in your own home.
0: That's well, and really then great. When you're shopping at, at HomeSense and you see this beautiful white lacquered nautical mirror to hang on the wall, and you're like, that wouldn't go in my house. But then I think it would go in my house because I have one room that I could go into. So having, you know, sometimes people are bound when they're shopping by their theme of decorating. You know, if it's Victorian, you could imagine what a Victorian mirror might look like. But boy, you see this gorgeous white, shiny, you know, nautical mirror and you're like, mm, that's so cool. What a great price. You know, that can go in my room upstairs.
1: Great advice. That's, that's an, another reason to go shopping, right? So if you have this that's other right. room, you can, uh, or, or can a fill with Or a bathroom, you know, like mm-hmm.
0: a theming your powder room. Is, you know, that's a cute little space that people only visit for a short time. And, you know, to do that very theatrical or use stronger colors uh, the powder room or your master bedroom and bathroom or a guest room. Those are great rooms to theme mm-hmm. and they don't really invade your overall decorating scheme throughout the rest of the house cause they're more private spaces.
1: Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And this goes right into our next questions. So we're talking about, you know, your house having maybe one theme and then you have another room that is a different look altogether. So what advice would you give couples who really do have two different distinctive design looks? Um, how would they combine those, those looks?
0: Well, in the past couple of years, we've heard all about these he caves, man caves, yes. he caves. You know, basically, he's caving in and she's caving in, you know, to create something kind of silly, really, a space of their own of sorts. You know, again, um, if you're moving in together and you both have very different looks, then that's a great opportunity then to maybe bring a third party in, like a decorator mm-hmm. or a designer that you that you both trust, to see how that can work together but there's a general rule of thumb that I heard a long time ago, and it always seems to work, and it's the 70-30 rule. And what that means is you have to choose one style for your home that generally impedes everything. So if I live in a Victorian uh, townhouse, chances are I should probably stick to a slightly more traditional bent on decorating, because that's the style of house I bought. Mm -hmm. If I bought an all-glass modern penthouse in the city, then maybe that would be different. So for me, I always say 70% of what you're supposed to do because of the house you live in or because of the, the, the look you gravitated towards, and then 30% can shake it up and be different. So there's nothing wrong with adding his modern black and white art to a rather, um, to a rather traditional living room or her bright-colored Santa Fe being mixed with his black lacquer just keep in mind that it can't be half and half it has to be 70 30 and that's also a good rule when you're mixing modern and traditional together keep in mind that whatever you gravitate towards more like me i tend to gravitate towards traditional i would say 30 percent of all aspects of my decorating would be a little more clean line contemporary to help to clean up and balance all that traditional stuff
1: Wow, so 70-30. It's a good rule to remember. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's an
0: uneven balance, which is, you know, uneven numbers and uneven balances tend to work well. And, um, and, you know, if you're buying an area rug for your family room, 70% of the floor space should be filled with the area rug.
1: Oh, so I like that. So the rule extends to other things. It works in so many
0: ways, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, You know, it's it's usually 70-30 or two-thirds, right? Two-thirds tends to work well too.
1: That's wonderful. Uh, so there's a lot of options these days for people who want to decorate. Um, and so how do you keep your clients focused? Um, and, you know, from just focused on the project, and um, how do you prevent them from feeling overwhelmed by all the choices out there?
0: Well, you, you have to focus and you have to commit. So normally what I do before I would meet anybody, and I would say this to anybody listening who needs to take on any decorating project, is pull your thoughts together. These days we have Pinterest, mm-hmm. We have online that we can pull images and put a file together. In the old days, I used to say to somebody, I used to say a husband and wife, nice to meet you. Go to the store and buy eight or ten decorating magazines from Europe and Canada and all over, and I want you to rip pages out of it. And I want you to put a file together. And once you put that file together, then I want you to commit to sitting together and taking away 30% of what you put in there because then you're going to fine-tune your look and you'll really be able to establish it. And it does help. It sounds cheesy, but it really does help people then focus. Mm -hmm. Once you do that and you assess it and you go, wow, every every room in these pictures has large, white, fancy moldings and paneling on the walls. I must really like that look. How can we achieve that in the home? Or, wow, look at um, all these rooms that have technology in it. I love rooms that have big TVs and, you know, have speakers hung on the walls or whatever it might be. Beaufort. So it's really about helping yourself define the things that you might not even know that you wanted. Um, Some people will look at, you know, they'll look at all their photos and say, gosh, this is like every room has modern art in it, yet I don't have any modern art. It's like, well, maybe you should get some, right? Kind of works that way.
1: Oh, that's great. And I, I think a lot of people maybe not even are, are aware of the style or the things they like. And they can, you know, that will really help them kind of narrow it down. Or, you know, whether it's looking at their magazines or their Pinterest pages or even just, you know, on their Instagram, like all the, the different pictures that they've liked. Um, you know, when you look back at what it is, you kind of do get a sense of what you, what you gravitate towards or maybe what your style yeah, would I mean, be.
0: It's no different than saying, oh, I'm going to help you buy a dress. So you know what I'm going to do? Just give me 10 minutes to sift through your closet because mm-hmm. I'll get a sense of what you tend to gravitate towards. And I'll see the weird, I'll see the weird blouses that, I, that you probably never wear that you bought or okay. a few things. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? You tend to gravitate to all your fancy dresses are black or navy blue. You like dark colors. Is that something that you would admit? Great. Let's go find a dark, you know, at least we start with something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how you work. But you do the same with the home. It's all about let's look at the obvious. And then whittle it down, define it, and then start new again. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I help people, that's kind of the first um, assignment I give them. And usually by the time I come to visit them, they're like, wow, like we really realized a lot of things through doing this little, uh, this little project ourselves. Um, and it's going to solve a lot of arguments between husbands and wives. That's really, perfect. That's, that's what yeah. it
1: does. Yeah, that's such great advice. And really common sense too, you know. That's, that's good. It's simple, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. sometimes
0: just taking it down to the most common denominator is the easiest way to do it. Um, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing a, a, a couple who own a house would go through is probably a kitchen or bathroom renovation. Because mm-hmm. in their minds, they probably see it differently. Mm-hmm. And that's when sometimes getting some help to balance out everything in those all the elements and the colors and the looks and the materials and everything you know we know what's out there i I remember once helping a friend when she was build she was going to a builder to choose all the finishes for her house and she was walking through and she said i really want terracotta floors in the kitchen i love the mexican terracotta And I said, okay, well, chances are the builder's not going to offer you terracotta floors as a standard, so we have to see what they offer. And in the offering was an ugly, orangey-brown tile. And she went right to it. And I said, you can't put this in your kitchen, it's not terracotta, it's it's just the closest thing that you can find today, Mm -hmm. so why not go for the cheapest option that they're offering, and then replace it with good terracotta in three or four years? if you really want terracotta, (laughs) Um, you know, and you really love that look. So some people do get affected by the moment Mm -hmm. when they're decorating. They're in a store, they've got to buy bedding for the guest room because the people are coming to visit. Mm -hmm. It's that sort of pressure people get put under. And have you not thought about the bedding ever, ever in that room? Have you never thought about the colors and the style and what you're trying to achieve in there? And if you put a vision in front of you and you stick to it, then the end result, no matter if it's a month from now or three years from now, will be what you wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. I don't buy anything for that third-floor guest room that isn't white, off-white, or Mm nautical-themed because that's my room, Mm -hmm. right? That's the room that that I, that I, I know I can have a tight vision in and that I can't veer off of it. And sometimes I say to clients, okay, your family room, has a has taken on a real Pottery Barn feel. You know what Pottery Barn feel means. Yeah, I know their look. Great. If you're without me and you feel the need to buy some accessories for that room, go to Pottery Barn. <laughs>
1: That's great. You know, it's and, good. And a, yeah. a
0: crate and barrel, a guest room. You could probably imagine it to be a bit colorful, a bit modern or contemporary, rather than too too folksy or too farmhouse. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's nice when you can put visions to people and say, you know what. You've got your Pottery Barn family room. You've got your Crate and Barrel style, um, uh, you know, guest room. Um, you've got your farmhouse kitchen. And when you put, when you help people identify it, then they stick to those titles as well, which is great.
1: For sure, and it's giving people some definition to live by. Which, if you're not sure of, you know, your decorating style already, you know, then then that's really helpful to say this is the uh, this is the look I'm going to stick with. That's that's, right. that's fabulous. So, um, speaking of all the different stores, do you have a favorite place to go and and uh, you know look for items for your homes or for your clients?
0: Um, like I said, I, I mostly shop online for anything vintage or antique. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, I mean, I got to tell you, like recreational shopping at HomeSense is fantastic just because it's it's a bit of a sport. It's a bit of an Olympics. I consider myself a gold winner when it comes to that. Um, And I would say that places like that are great because you know what? You're getting it at such a good price, and if you see it and you love it and you snap it up, it ain't going to be worth anything in a year from now. I mean, HomeSense doesn't really sell heirloom pieces of sorts okay. but they're but they're really great great short fixes of how to decorate your home and keep on trends mm-hmm. you know i have a friend who's obsessed with getting some brass flatware you know did uh cutlery mm-hmm. and every time we're out shopping she goes i just you know i'm still all really hot on that brass flatware and i said you know what it it is a trend like you know keep in mind that if you're going to spend four or five hundred dollars on flatware at minimum Um, you know, at $60 a place setting or more, you know, it is a trend and our parents had brass flatware and they put it in the basement and that's what's trendy now. Right. So try to keep that in mind that, you know, if you're not paying a lot for it, then you can enjoy the trends a lot, a lot easier as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And if your friend really loves it, then she, you know, she'll likely love it for a little bit longer than maybe it's trendy
0: too. I think so, but she's only mentioned she's loved it in the past year, which has <laughs> been affected by some of the trends, <laughs> I believe.
1: For sure. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it is. HomeSense is a great store. It's my, like, grab a coffee and just quietly wander through the uh, through the aisle. It's like therapy. It's it's the best. I love it's that place. It's shopping therapy. It absolutely. is. It yeah, is. Absolutely. Yes.
0: That's, that's kind of the fun, cheap, and cheerful. Um, certainly in uh, Toronto, um, if you're looking for good investment and new pieces, places like the LT store ELTE is very good only because they do sell quality pieces and you know the nice part about it is all the designers actually shop there for their clients mm-hmm. so if you don't have a designer and you want to go looking for a sofa you can shop at the same type of place mm-hmm. and the prices are i would say medium upper they're not the highest end but also, you're getting a better quality, and you're getting you're also working with a retailer that's been in business a long time, which means they'll stand by their product, mm-hmm. and that's great too.
1: And probably something that isn't going to be, um, you know, looking like it's it's dated in a year or two as well.
0: Well, you know, LT made a lot of money off of French French country armoires back in the '80s and '90s. They couldn't keep them in stock, and now nobody wants those great big armoirs in their living room with the TV in it anymore, right? That's- so that was a, that was a you know French country was a big trend that stuck around for about ten fifteen years and it's still a look people like but it certainly has redefined itself. I think French country now is kind of turned into what we'd call um, the farmhouse chic look. Right? Uh, country is by far the most popular style of decorating whether you like to admit it or not (laughs) Um, but country there's always a new version of country decorating whether it be Cape Cod or farmhouse or nautical cabin themed or you know the rustic cabin uh, feel so there's always looks in country that um, are quite pertinent Mm -hmm. just as there are modern.
1: Everything that's old is new again and it will always be forever reinventing itself and into the same thing. Really? Well,
0: and keep in mind that what goes around comes around, but it rarely comes around exactly in the same way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I've found over 25 or 30 years is that when trends come back, they tend to switch their style. And what I'll say about that is, for instance, brass was very popular in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. like doorknobs and handles and uh, hardware items and stuff and lamps. But that, but that, those brass pieces were generally quite colonial or very traditional Mm -hmm. now brass is back but we're seeing it on more modern objects right yeah so it did come back again but not in the same way and even with black you know black was big in the 80s the black lacquered furniture Mm -hmm. with brass details black has come back again but it's not shiny it's more matte Um, it's not as glossy looking as what it was so things do come back but Mm -hmm. generally in a bit of a different way
1: I was just even cringing as you were talking about black lacquer with, you know, with brass accent, like just, oh, thinking of the homes I've been in that, you know, growing up had that and it was beautiful back then. But looking back, it's not it's not something I'd want to relive, You're, which, you know, that's I, one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, when it does come back, it does come back a little different because we do have those those memories of the, the first time around, like even oh, yeah. in fashion. Like, like
0: my, my niece would love to have a shag carpet in her living room. My gra- my mother would kill somebody if they ever put a shag carpet in her living room because she remembers it. Flocked wallpaper. Remember the velvet wallpaper? The kids want wallpaper these days, and the older people are like, we just took down the velvet wallpaper. We're never putting that up again, right? So, you know, it's all about what comes, comes back and what's rolling around again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind is that generally design patents, so looks on things like – Like the famous Le Cabusier chairs and things like that, design patents last about 50 years, and usually, when a patent is up, that style comes back in in fashion because all the manufacturers can remake the similar looks for free.
1: That's so interesting. I didn't know that.
0: Right. Wow. But right now, there's a lot of mid-century modern furniture being made and offered through Crate and Barrel's and. You know, I mean, mid-century modern furniture is just such a big look right now, mm-hmm. and it's because the patent was up from the originals. It also means that fifty—if if, you—if you've waited fifty years, there's not a lot of the mid—the mid-century modern around anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to remake it. So think about—keep in mind that Art Deco became very popular in the '80s mm-hmm. because it was around in the '30s.
1: Oh, so does that mean? Does that mean like that the '60s are going to be kind of the next? the well, next
0: what would trend that be? yeah be, well yeah. 70s really probably oh, the 70s, 70s. that's and right we're seeing we're seeing the 70s right now in home decor at all the trade shows and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that's an era that i truly remember because i was old enough to live in it so it will probably be probably be a trend era that I will ignore, <laughs> of sorts. It won't encourage too much.
1: I'm I'm with you on that. Those I, I think they're called super graphics. Do you remember that? Where they would come yes. down off the wall. I, I don't think I could be in a room with with that again. <laughs> it reminds me We're of romper the room or something.
0: Of dusty rose, pink, and brown, and brass, and lots of velvet and crushed velour and. Shaggy, like lots of textural things. Everything was textured. Remember the family room in the The '70s—the wood-textured wall, the The shaggy carpet, Mm -hmm. the panels. It's all coming back. Yes. And people somehow think it's cool and new. Well, they didn't live through it
1: the first time. That's why.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That's why I want to build a glass structure around my house so I can't move that stuff in. The glass will protect.
1: I like that. I'm going to come and join you in there and just not relive the '70s for sure. Uh, so you created a mixed media art piece a while ago um and it was commissioned for creighton barrel's c b two it is beautiful i I love it and i've seen it all over the internet. Can you tell me about how that came to be
0: oh well that's um it's it's a it's a it's a painting of the queen mm-hmm. um and it's from her coronation fame her very famous coronation painting so I bought an original hand painted coronation painting from um Oh, what's the Army Base Trenton Trenton Army Base uh and it was just in their auction and didn't cost very much and you know it was that painting that hung above the door in every in every university right and often in the uh 60s and 70s and 80s it was a like a photograph of it framed um so what I did is I had it super high res photographed and then I printed it and then I did painting on top of it and you know photographed it and then did more painting so it's a very mixed medium it's about seven layers of fun as i call it and really it was just a project i was doing um on a weekend i literally went to the dollar store to buy the brushes and the paints and um it was kind of funky it's a it's her painting of her coronation and, and in big red letters it says it's all mine now and i didn't mean it like she's being greedy i actually meant it as she's inherited everything <laughs> not just the good stuff not just the jewels right um, all the pressure and everything so people read it very differently whether they think the queen is um a selfish person or a giving person right so people often had thoughts about it and um i took it down to new york and gave it to a friend of mine who was had moved there as like a housewarming gift because uh, he was from australia originally and she's part of the commonwealth mm-hmm. there right and then they opened, The Creighton Barrel was opening in Canada, and I met um, the president of their CB2 store. And I asked her, I said, is America influenced by the royals? Oh. Uh, because the Diamond Jubilee was happening, the royal wedding was happening, the Olympics in London was happening. And I didn't know how much Americans really knew about the queen or the royals. Mm-hmm. And she had said to me, well, certainly they're trending right now because of everything happening around the world with this royal wedding and the diamond jubilee of the queen and the the olympics so i got back home and uh about a week later i sent her a little email saying how nice it was to meet her and i sent her a picture of my painting and i just said we were talking about how the royals are trending this is kind of a kooky little painting i did and a week later i heard back from her and she said i love the feel of this I've cc'd the art buyers at Creighton Barrel CB2, and they'll be in touch with you. We would love to reproduce it. Would that is that something you'd be interested in?
1: That's amazing.
0: It was just like, so I was like, hold on, everybody, because she had cc'd all these people. I am not an artist. You know, this was a weekend project. I am very honored that you think that this is nice, but are you sure that this is something that, you know, please don't feel obligated just because you met me, you know? Mm-hmm and sure enough the art buyer called and we had the uh the piece of art picked up in New York and they they took it uh to Chicago and they uh reproduced it and they they turned it into a 4 foot by 5 foot stretcher frame painting and uh it was introduced um uh, literally 3 years ago um sure enough it sold out very quickly um it sold out in about a week but it was because the royals were trending so heavily mm-hmm.
1: But it's such a great so, piece, too, and it's so yeah,
0: vivid and I still and have people colourful. contact me on social media to see if they can buy it, and it it's not available. I mean, you know, I, I say, check eBay. Maybe somebody's ready to sell theirs now. I don't know, you know. Uh, but weirdly, I had a woman send me an email three weeks ago saying, I just wanted you to know that I've always loved my queen painting. I'm moving to Britain, and it's too large to pack and travel, So uh, I will miss it, but I wanted to let you know. She contacted me through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And the next day, I had a real estate agent from California email me to say, can I buy your queen painting? I still love it. I can't find it. And I was like, I can hook you up with somebody. So the lady in Sacramento bought it from the lady in L.A., and I just simply introduced them, and then they were both happy. One sold their painting, and the other one got what they wanted.
1: And now you're not only the artist or the art dealer, too. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, yeah. I wish,
0: I wish. Um, but the since then, I've been doing more queen paintings uh, from the same uh, image that I started with, mm-hmm. and they're a little bit more Warholish. they're a little bit different, um, and I actually have a manufacturer who's making them and selling them wholesale, so I don't have to worry about them running out of them. Uh, retail stores can sell them. LT sold them. Different stores around North America sell the queen paintings. If you just Google... Queen painting, Carl loans. It'll you'll see all sorts of crazy things come up,
1: and I'll make sure to. Kind put, of a weird
0: thing to be known for, you know.
1: It's great. I think it's a great thing to be known for, and it's just it's this flip side of as an interior designer. Like this is a whole other outlet for your creativity and completely different, you know.
0: Well, it isn't. It isn't because you know I, I did it because I like modernized alternative art. But if you remember, I like traditional things. So here's this traditional painting that you might recognize but updated and made modern with, you know, some graffiti on it and a little more colorful and a little funkier. So I like that mix of, of, of what's happening. My 70% traditional painting brought 30% on top of it. Right? Oh, there you
1: go. Yes, you brought there it you all go. right back. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great it's a great print. And if you haven't seen it, then um, definitely I'll, I'll put a, a link to it um, and the different uh, variations, like the, the your original and then some of the newer ones that you've been doing. It's exciting, yeah. It's yeah, yes. fun to do, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you thinking of doing any more? Any other, you know, uh, not, not queen-themed?
0: No, I stick just with the Queen paintings. I, I recently um, finished one, which will be launched uh, for the month each each year in the month of June for LGBT rights, and and basically the painting is the Queen, but her whole silhouette of the Queen has been done as a beautiful rainbow color. Wow. And the Queen recently endorsed um, gay marriage throughout the Commonwealth country, so there's a certain support that she gives the LGBT community. Uh, so, th- But this painting will only be sold for charitable reasons uh, to help different uh, either LGBT youth or elderly or single parents or mm-hmm. stuff like that.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Really it, it's fun great. to sort of give it new life and try something new and then people like it and then say, well, let's have the money go to charity. This is a great opportunity to help. And, you know, p- people buy it. So are decorating their house with it, which is what I do. Uh, so it's a home decor item of sorts. Uh, maybe one day you'll find it at HomeSense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll stumble across it when I'm, I'm in there with my coffee. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, art is something that people often overlook when they're decorating their house. And as a designer, you know you you know how to bring it in and, and how to showcase it. But um, for for people that um, you know don't have a designer, or even even when you're choosing arts for choosing art for your clients, uh, what's one thing that you, you, you know, you keep in mind when you're, when you're choosing art or that you can share, uh, for people at home listening who want that piece of artwork. That's just going to really just be the, make their room pop.
0: Well, you're either an investor in art or you're not. And most people truly are not, Um, you know, most people have a, a sweet spot at how much they'll pay for art as well. And I think we could all think about that. What you know, if I really, if I was at an art show and I saw this beautiful painting and I loved it, what would be my sweet spot? How much would I pay for it? Mm-hmm. And for me, for instance, um, I was stuck for the first forty years of my life thinking, I don't think that I could ever pay more than one thousand dollars for a piece of art. Mm-hmm. You know what? Now I'm up to about three thousand because I learned to appreciate it more. Of and when I love it, I know I love it, and maybe I, I trust myself more. But I think for most people, decorating, they want the art to complement the decor of the room if they want to finish a room nicely. So, for instance, in my in my seaside guest bedroom, you can imagine what the art would be. Probably outdoor landscapes, water, mm-hmm. birds, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always say to people, artwork can finish the room properly. So let's wait until the end. Because when we finish the decorating of a room the paint on the walls the drapes the patterns on the sofa and the pillows and the rugs and we can then assess how busy visually is this room mm-hmm. do i need a piece of art on the wall that will help to calm the room or do i want to add more text more more pattern to the room maybe we've gone rather safe with not that much pattern so a piece of art can help give us some movement in the room mm-hmm. so i always use art to balance Uh, Some people say, I have this piece of art, it was my grandmother's, I love it. Uh, And that becomes the jumping-off point then for the room to decorate. But always consider your artwork and your area rugs to be um, something that you should really have and travel with for the rest of your life, right? A good Persian rug, you you know, if you love it and you invest in it, you'll have it for the rest of your life. Um, If you have a piece of art that you love it can probably live with you for a very, very long time. So I always say art and area rugs are that last piece to put into the room to help balance everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you should really be buying the best you can afford so you can keep it for the rest of your life and have it with you.
1: And that also adds to the story of your house, doesn't it? Just that, oh, I had this area rug for 40 years and this is where I got it.
0: And And it still works and I still use it as my jumping off point for decorating Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. You know, keep in mind as well that, the only thing that dates art, the only thing that will date artwork, like a painting, mm-hmm. is the frame. Very true. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So never feel guilty of reframing a piece of art to make it fit better into your new room. Mm-hmm. Because you might inherit grandma's, you know, uh, 1970s fall colored oil paintings, and they're beautiful and big from the 70s but they might have a linen matting and an oak frame and they might not feel all that all that updated we'll have that beautiful piece of art re into a beautiful new frame that fits your decor scheme and give it new life for another 15 or 20 years mm-hmm. I think the only time value is taken away from the art if you reframe it is maybe if the artist framed it themselves you know, and that means a little bit of something to you. Other than that, update your art. I mean, my goodness, it's mm-hmm. just that's a nice way to clean up uh, an old look and keep something that you have that you love.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More great advice, Carl. Thank you. Yeah,
0: if you if you have a an, if you have a beautiful little Persian that you inherited and you just really love it and it's your comfort zone to look at this small Persian, it might only be four feet by six feet. It might not fit in the living room appropriately because it's a little small. Mm-hmm. Layer it on top of a larger, simpler rug. You know, in the, in, the, in the 80s, remember we saw the big sisal carpets and then a Persian on top of it? Mm-hmm. It's that idea. So you can make a small rug feel like it belongs if you put it on top of one that's maybe a little bit plainer mm-hmm. and uh, certainly helps to fit it into the room nicer.
1: For sure. And it's like art for the floor, those, you know, beautiful Persian rugs.
0: It projects. is. And actually, I always say to people, your art and your rugs should actually mimic in similar style. So if you if you love black and white graphic modern art, You should probably choose a rug that's more graphic and modern as well for the room. If you love a Van Gogh type of painting that's very colorful and artsy and uh, florals and leaves and everything, maybe choose a rug that has some floral or some uh, similar tones and colors into it as well. Because we're gypsies, right? We move three or four times in our lifetime. We pack up our paintings. We pack up our rug. We get on our camel, and we go to the next house. That's and those right. will always look good together.
1: Mm-hmm. That's and no matter where you are, you have that sense of uh, of home because you've yeah. got your your art and your rugs working together. Yep, you
0: traveled with it. The other mm-hmm. thing is that the last thing I'll leave you with art is the middle of your art should be hung sixty six to seventy two inches off the floor.
1: Right, I, and I'm going to put middle, that in the middle of middle your art of
0: your artwork. Okay. Sixty six inches you got really high ceilings, you're going to raise it up. The middle of the artwork should never be higher than 72 inches, even if you got really, really, really high ceilings in your family room. But it's because you don't hang your artwork in relationship to the height of your ceilings. You hang artwork always in relationship to the floor.
1: That's, that's super because we walk on the floor. Yes. Yes. And, but I mean, so many, so often, you know, it's, it's wrong. You walk into a room and you feel like you have to look up. And the other thing, if you
0: have standard height ceilings in maybe an 80s condo mm-hmm. or in a lower level of your home where they're just seven and a half, to eight and a half feet, which is kind of standard, mm-hmm. if they feel low these days because usually people have nine, 10, 11 foot ceilings now. Mm-hmm. Um, the lower you hang your artwork, the higher your ceilings will appear. That's so right. it's a great trick when you're selling your house. If you don't have high ceilings, just lower the nail one inch on every piece of art. That little bit of breadth between the top of the art to the ceiling will make the ceiling feel just that little bit more taller. It's a That's a great awesome. to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much. You're just really full of wisdom today. Thank you. This is amazing.
0: It, today's a good day. It is
1: a good day. And now everyone's going to go home or, or, you know, stop listening and they're going to go, you're going to get the hammers out and, and rearrange their art. I love it. It's perfect. It's
0: one simple thing everybody can do, right? Because art is art. It doesn't matter if it's a poster or if it's uh, a Van Gogh painting. Art is art. It's on our walls. We have it because we love it. Yeah. Treat it right.
1: And it doesn't cost anything. To, to lower your nail an inch or two inches or 10, depending on how high you've hung it in the exactly. first place. Yeah. So Carl, what's next for you? What projects are you working on? Or, or what's coming up that you're excited about? Well,
0: I've been, um, I've been writing a book for five years. <laughs> and I have a publisher who's interested and he keeps every six months, I somehow see him and he goes, Oh, so, how's your book coming along? Um, and I it's one of those hurdles that I haven't addressed but I know that once the book is finished, then I'll be able to sort of live off some of its legs by promoting it and talking about what's in it. And you you never really get rich from publishing a book, but it becomes sort of a marketing tool for you. So I'm really hoping, hoping that, you know, maybe between now and the fall, I can finish all the words I need to give them. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we can move on so that in the next year or two, I can have a book. And my book would be all these rules and practical advice. And really it's, You know, I always said that if I wrote a book, then there'd be no need for me anymore because everything that's in my head would be in the book. But it's all the rules. It's all the stuff that's going to stop people from arguing amongst themselves at home, like how high should we hang this painting, Um, things like that, how to choose colors properly. And the book will be a bit of a guidebook for people to get them started. Uh, so that it'll it'll be a reference guide for people who are buying a new home or really, uh, you know, there, there's two people, right? There's people who buy new homes that just want it to be so tiddly-boo perfect. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who are going into their last home, and that's kind of the dream home, and that's they want them to get it right because they're going to live and die in that house mm-hmm. for the rest of their life. So there's two people that could easily buy that type of book. So I'm working on a book. Um, I'm I'm doing a lot of traveling across Canada to do all the morning shows, not just one morning show out of Toronto. So I go to Montreal and Ottawa and Toronto and Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver, and uh, I know all the producers of the morning shows. And I just have so much fun uh, showing people ideas and new products and stuff that are available on the market. And then uh, taking on uh, some projects in my own townhouse to finish up. And usually as I finish up an area, I photograph it or it goes on my blog or in a magazine or somewhere uh, so I'm pretty lucky right I everything I do I actually is around Home decor and I enjoy it so
1: it sounds again, fabulous
0: I found the passion so I'm happy mm-hmm. to stay in it for a while
1: that's so great well we look forward to your book and um, I think it's a, a great you know there's so much information out there and it can be it's just overwhelming sometimes because you can go on one site and they're going to tell you one thing and you go on another site and they're going to tell you something else. So I would love Well, to- I'm really
0: lucky because because I've worked in magazines and on TV shows. I've actually learned from a lot of designers mm-hmm. myself and I've seen what they do whether and seen if it worked or not. So I always say to people, you can go out and get online and look for all the decorating rules and, of, that you want, but ultimately cross out the word rule and simply put the word opinion in there because it's somebody's opinion on what works. And what I've tried to do, and I'm not bragging myself up, but what I've tried to do is actually um, assess what all the professionals have done right and wrong and then keep that in the back of my mind. What does work? What is tried and true? You know, what works 90% of the time for most people, that's the type of stuff I like to give them because I personally – I don't care how people decorate. I don't care about the style. Everyone has a different one. But if you're going to do it, do it right. So you're happy with it.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's great. And I look forward to reading that book because that's, you know, it's going to be useful. It'll be the one that's on the bookshelf that we keep going to.
0: I'll be sitting at Costco signing books one day and I'll sign one for you. That'd be that? great.
1: At Costco. Yes, that would be great. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Anyone
0: anyway that sells a lot of books would be that's good. <laughs> right.
1: That's right. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Carl. Um, I, I look forward to talking with you again sometime and thank you for all the great advice um, and wisdom that you've shared with us today.
0: That's great. I had a great time. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Carl. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our guest today. Please visit our website, thehuntedandgathered.com, for more information on today's episode, show notes, and links. I'd love to hear your comments, questions, and suggestions for upcoming shows. And remember, it's not about having the best. A home should be a place that makes you feel your best.